And we'll turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy as we continue our series on the mythology of science. We've been talking about the main myth of scientism. A myth under that myth would be the myth of evolution. The Big Bang. These are commanding myths of our day. Last week we, we mentioned the myth of Mother Teresa. Just this, this story that, that's been created and attached to her that if you would dare say anything against Mother Teresa, you're the, the greatest ogre to ever live. I was thinking of some other myths this week. What about the myth of vaccinations? I mean, hey, you just, you ought to vaccinate your children. That's just what people believe. The myth of modern education. Amen. You just, you send your children off to school and, and once you go through school, you go to college. That's just what you do. What about the myth of dating? I mean, it's just a given. I mean, everybody dates, right? The myth of judging. Judge not. I mean, that's a, that's a cardinal doctrine, isn't it? I mean, if you're judging people, you can't be like Jesus. I like what one preacher said when people say, judge not lest you be judged. He says, twist not the scripture lest you be like Satan. How about that? Amen. So in 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're reading Paul's admonition to his spiritual son Timothy in verse 11. He says, Thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Amen. If you want to have a good epistemology, then you need to follow after these things. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And then down to verse 20, he pleads. He says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings, and oppositions of science or knowledge, falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Now turn to First Samuel chapter 2. In other words, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, if you want to keep the course, you had better have a reliable episteme that leads to true Knowledge. First Samuel chapter two, Hannah's song in verse three. We'll start in verse two. It says, there is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Amen. He is a rock that you can build your house of knowledge upon. Talk no more exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. And look at this. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by Him actions are weighed. And then to Proverbs chapter 1. These are some good 
epistemological verses here. Proverbs chapter 1, one of the greatest verses in regards to knowledge in all of the Word of God. In verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then finally, in Colossians chapter 2, What a scripture this is. Colossians 2 and 2. Paul says that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all. The treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we do bow with our hearts and our minds before you today. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of knowledge. We thank you, Lord, that you are the truth. We do come. Lord, asking you to quicken and to illuminate us, lead us and guide us and establish us in the truth, which is in Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The biblical position, as we have seen regarding knowledge is this, simply, in Jesus Christ himself are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And that's just not in regards to sanctification or eschatology, but in regards to science, in regards to the civil war, whatever you may want to talk about, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Jesus Christ. We declare the epistemological lordship of Jesus over every area of life. Therefore, apart from the existence of the Christian God, one cannot know anything at all in the true sense of the word. That's a bold statement. But that is what the Bible teaches Every other worldview besides Christianity makes knowledge in the true sense of the word impossible. Given the naturalistic worldview, the atheist may consistently say, I believe X, I believe Y, I believe Z to be the case. But the problem with his worldview is that he can never know X, Y, and Z to be the case. He can believe it, but he can never know it. And if this proposition is true, then science presupposes Christianity. Why is that? Because science means what? Knowledge. And since all knowledge is in Christ, apart from Christ, there could be no knowledge about anything and thus no true science Only science falsely so-called. 
Therefore, it is utterly absurd for anyone to say that science has buried God because science is dependent upon God. Amen. Now, we've been talking about the house of knowledge, a little review here. And listen to me, young people. You know, Adam was the first taxonomical classifier. He named all of the animals there in the garden. And you know, it's a good thing to have things in categories. Because when you have things in categories and you learn to organize your thought, it helps you to take dominion in life and to be a faithful and a true witness. And these, this is one of the, the things that I think that somebody ought to know. When we build the house of knowledge, the foundation is what? Jesus Christ himself. But then we have some pillars which describe all of life. And those four pillars are, who can tell me, Brother Jerry? Epistemology, which is knowledge. Ethics, which is behavior. Aesthetics, which is beauty. And metaphysics, which is reality. Everything you can talk about with anybody comes under those four categories. But only Jesus Christ provides the foundation and the grounding for those categories because he is, he is holy, he knows all things, and he is altogether lovely. You need to get that down right there. That will help you to organize your thoughts. Moreover, the laws of science are in essence the particular descriptions of specifically how God is upholding all things by the word of his power. That's all the laws of science are. That just tells us how God upholds the universe by the word of his power. The laws of logic, they're nothing but the way that God thinks. Morality is nothing but an articulation of the character of God. Isn't that beautiful? God himself is the foundation and the intelligibility of everything in life. So this morning we're speaking again about the foundational topic of epistemology, knowledge, and truth. And as we have seen, epistemology is foundational. When we deal with the topic of epistemology, we are laying the axe to the root. We're touching the thing with a needle, if I may. You see, when you make this statement right here, if I were to say on a college campus, it's all about truth. That's a, a bold, defining, all comprehensive statement. Amen? And that's different from me saying it's all about happiness. Because that statement doesn't prove itself. But if I say it's all about truth, the unbeliever has one of two choices. Either he can walk by and say, mm, ta, 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 I dare not touch that. <laughs> or he can say, that's not true. Therefore, he proves it really is all about truth. That's, that's the defining element of life. And that's why Jesus, I have come to bear witness of the truth. I am the truth. And when he made that statement, he drew a line and every man on planet earth must face that. And either he will declare, indeed, you are the truth 
or you're not the truth. But when he says you're not the truth, what's he declaring? There's such a thing as truth. But the problem is only the Christian worldview can provide the foundations for truth. So it's all about truth or knowledge. The reason epistemology is foundational to everything else is because our episteme will determine if we can arrive at actual knowledge or if we presently possess actual knowledge about everything we claim to know. For example, you're speaking with a student who wants to discuss evolution or ethics or evangelism or anything else. What will he begin to do? He will begin to make knowledge claims. Now, as we have learned, the issue is not usually the issue. So it doesn't really matter what specific knowledge claim he is making. The issue is, how did you come to know that knowledge claim? You see, that's the real issue here. How do you know that to be true? That's epistemology. And you know, there are many good questions. Really, you can go out to LSU and just ask questions all day. Somebody says something. You know what a good question is? What do you mean by, you're not loving. What do you mean by love? Let's, let's get a little definition here. You know another good question to ask evolutionists? Okay, I hear what you're saying, but can you give me any observational evidence for X which does not require me to use faith to believe that? You just begin to press that right there, and you'll find out that everything they're saying about evolution, they've never observed it, and it demands faith to believe. Jesus was a master at asking questions. And one of the greatest questions you can ask is, and how did you come to know Therefore, it is not necessary to refute the unbeliever's specific knowledge claims. For if you can show them that their episteme that they are employing in order to acquire their so-called knowledge is unreliable, then everything they claim to know is based on the faulty foundation of sinking sand. And therefore, their knowledge is not truly knowledge in the true sense of the word. So we're studying here this morning epistemology, which is our theory of knowledge. What is knowledge? Does anybody remember our definition from last week? Knowledge is justified, true belief. Amen? You've got to believe it. It's got to be true. And you've got to be able to give reasons for it, to justify it. You can't just make an arbitrary announcement and make that knowledge. There's got to be a reason for it. And truth ultimately is the person of Christ. But our philosophical definition is that which corresponds to reality. Now, although all people have an episteme, most people are not epistemologically self-conscious of how they arrive at the truth. Amen? They're just cutting off the end of the rose because that's what mama did. So we see that if someone claims to have knowledge, they are claiming to have a personal understanding of truth and that by using their episteme. 
Therefore, we see that one's episteme is of the utmost importance. You hear me, young people? Your episteme is extremely important because based on the way that you think, the way that you come to knowledge and truth will determine your character and your eternal destiny. That's very, very You see, we are all products of what we believe about God, the Word of God, self, salvation, sin, the world, and reality in general. I was talking to a young man at LSU last week in a blue shirt named Anthony. You may have seen him. Very antinomian. Believed in once saved, always saved. And I said, Anthony, it's impossible that you fear God. Impossible. I fear the Lord. I said, it's impossible. I said, what's the definition of the fear of the Lord? And I shared with him the definition, the true definition of the fear of the Lord is to be utterly terrified of ever becoming God's enemy. But if one saved, always saved is true. Can he ever become God's enemy? No. Therefore, he cannot fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Therefore, Anthony cannot have knowledge. Do you see that? Furthermore, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. People, I'm all positive. I don't hate anything. Then they can't fear the Lord. And therefore, they don't have knowledge about anything. Do you see this? Therefore, as the Bible says, as a man thinketh. Not what, but as a man thinketh in his heart. So he is. And repentance is a change of mind. And when somebody truly repents, they stop thinking according to what is right in their own eyes. And they begin to think with a biblical episteme. Do you see that? I hope you do. Because the heart of man is prone to deception. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. Jesus said, ye shall know the Truth, and the truth shall make you free. Thus, if one does not know the truth, they cannot be made free. And if one does not have a proper episteme, they cannot know the truth. So, what are our available epistemes? Listen to me, young people. Each one of you, at some point of your life, you must visit the episteme. Each one of you will embrace an episteme. Amen. And it's something that others can see. Amen. You may not know what it is exactly, but your episteme is evident by the way that you live. So you must all come and walk by this bin. And you will all reach inside here. And choose your episteme or your method that you will use in life to determine what is true and false, right and wrong, and good and evil. And based on your choice will determine whether you think rightly and see clearly and eventually go to heaven or whether you perish and go to hell. Well, what are some of the epistemes? Amen.
Here's one. Y'all remember this one right here? What is this? This is the episode of emoting. Amen. What is the triad of the wimpy religionist that comes to rebuke you for obeying the Great Commission? What does he say? He says, I feel, (laughs) I think, and it seems. Amen. You think that's a good episteme, children, huh? Well, what did, what did Jacob do? Remember when his, his son, Isaac, came in there? Well, what was his episteme? He couldn't see. So what did, he, 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 did that feeling episteme work too good for Jacob? Uh-uh, absolutely not. Amen. You know what Laban's episteme was? You can read this in the Bible. He says, I have learned by experience. Very good. You think Laban had a good episteme? Uh, not at all. The Bible says this. There's a way that seems right unto man. Amen. You can go and get that. Amen. Reach in here. It seems right to me. Amen. But that which seems right to man will end in death. Amen. Yeah, here's a this episteme right here. You see this? Amen. This is one of my personal episteme. This is how you can determine who are real Christians or not right here. Amen. Isn't that right? Amen. Right. Amen. How about that one right there? Amen. You know, we, we talked about that in multiverse. Amen. And you know, there is, if the multiverse is true... There is a universe where Leon Hobson is a dinosaur jockey. Amen. He, he races dinosaurs. Yeah. Amen. 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 We got this. Y'all remember this one right here? Hey, you know what that one is? Hey, man, if you don't know what the truth is, start beating up on Leon. Amen. Maybe he'll say something to lead you into truth. Amen. Yes, sir. How about this one? Hey, what's that one? That's my thinking cap. That's rationalism. Trusting in my mind and my own thoughts. Amen. Hey, how about this one right here? Y'all remember this one from last week? Aha, uh-huh, empiricism. Got to go measure some things. How about this one right here? Mm, what's that? Pragmatism. Amen. If it works, then it must be true. Amen. Amen. So we've got our epistemes here. I like this one right here. You see? We, as, as lawn men, you should have one of these when you're measuring your roundup. But if you don't have one of these, you just use the episteme of the gloop method. Just three gloops per tank. Gloop, gloop, gloop. So these are some different epistemes that we can choose to employ in our quest for truth. But here's the thing. These epistemes do not stand on their own. They all presuppose something about reality. Amen? Let me give you an example. If I wanted to verify the existence of the episteme bin, what, what could I do? Give me some options here. I could feel it. That's right. Amen. There's an episteme right there. What else can I do? See it. Amen. Yes. What else could I do? Touch it. That's right. That's feeling. What else could I do? I mean, I can hear it. I hear it right there. If I wanted to, I'd get Brother Brian to come up here and he could lick it and taste it. You see, these are all empirical means of verification. But here is the issue. 
I can use all of those things to verify the truth of the existence of the episteme bin. But when I use those epistemes, what am I presupposing? That my senses are reliable and you see that. So epistemes don't stand on their own. They presuppose things, certain things about man and the universe. That's why the battle is fought at the presuppositional level. Amen. Who has the most evidence, Leon, the creationist or the evolutionist? They both have the same amount of evidence. The universe. It's just the way that they interpret the evidence. So how do we choose our episteme? In other words, which episteme should I use? You see, children, when you go to the episteme bin, which episteme should you take with you in order to determine which episteme you're going to choose? Brother Jerry? Ah, one that can verify itself, yes. So how do we choose? Some people do this right here. You ready? Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. <laughs> Take an episteme by the toe. <laughs> if it fails you, let it go. <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. You think that's a good episteme? I don't think so either. Not too good. Not too good. So, let's recall our two basic presuppositions. The presupposition of the Christian is what? God exists and His Word is true. The primary presupposition of the humanist, everyone else that's not a Christian is, man is the measure of all things and his senses and reason will lead him into truth. But here's the problem. How do they know that they are the measure of all things? What epistemology do they use to come up with that? None. They just believe it or presuppose it by faith. Furthermore, how do they know their measurer is reliable and sufficient? They don't. They have to presuppose it by faith. The sinful man... He has committed an awful sin. He has made himself both the measure and the measurer of all things. And he has chosen his episteme by blind, irrational faith. And the problems here are legion. You see, you can think of an episteme as your measuring stick for life. Amen. This is my measuring stick. But if I could, theoretically, measure everything in the universe with my measuring tape, I could measure everything except for what? The measuring tape. You see that? I must presuppose that this thing is accurate. But as we have seen, (laughs) there's some problems, amen, with the old measuring tape. Furthermore, think about this. In order to measure reality accurately, you must first know the nature of reality. Therefore, one's metaphysic that they choose by faith is linked to their episteme, which they choose by faith. Now, the atheist presupposes the metaphysic of naturalism. 
There's just matter. Matter and energy. Nothing immaterial. So let me ask you a question. Can you weigh a chicken with a measuring tape? Can you? Now, I know some of you, maybe Brother Kevin, is thinking of some kind of a contraption you can make. You can't weigh a chicken. with a, It's a category error. You see, it just doesn't work. So, if reality is not just natural, but natural and spiritual, can the epistemology of scientism ever verify the existence of God? No, it can't. Do you see that? So a man that by faith chooses the scientific method as his episteme, he has precluded himself from ever coming to the knowledge of God because God is not going to get in anyone's test tube. Do you see that? Therefore, when we're speaking to an unbeliever, perhaps the main area to benevolently attack is there epistemology? Amen. I told you, or I think I've told you before, I saw a man went to the Humanist Festival in Colorado with a video camera. And he just walked around and he just asked questions. Amen. He just gets somebody and he had the video camera on. Sir, can you tell me? He would say, what happens to you when you die? This happens and that happens. And that. He'd say, hmm, interesting. Next question. How do you know that is true? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, because of this and because of that, because of that, that. Then he'd look at him again. Hmm, interesting. What if you're wrong? Well, I said, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Amen. I'll be moving on. Hang on, hang on, let me, let, me, let, me, let me clarify that. And he began to talk some more because he's realizing that he's making an utter fool out of himself as he tries to make sense of the universe apart from God. And one of the greatest questions that you can ask someone is the epistemological question. How do you know that that is Just let them begin to tell you how they know something is true. And as they seek to do that, without submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and His Word, they will make an utter fool out of themselves. So as we are looking here at epistemology, seeing how this is the root of the matter. This is where we need to focus in when we are dealing with unbelievers on a philosophical level. How do you know that is true? Amen. Let's stand here this morning. Next week, Lord willing,
we're going to look into the four main epistemes which almost all men choose from. And we're going to see how only the episteme of humble submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ as revealed in His Word is the only way to knowledge. Amen? You know, in essence, what we're learning here this morning, we're learning that Mamaw Pentecost, amen, inarticulate, uneducated, Mamaw Pentecost, who's never been to school a day in her life and just clings and cleaves to the word of God. She is far more scientific than Richard Dawkins. Tyson DeGrasse, Krauss, Michio Kaku, Sagan, and any other scientist so-called. Amen. Amen. You, you want to be a good scientist? Amen. God is a God of knowledge. And God is the God of science. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you today. Lord, for your mercy unto such as us. Lord, that you have not revealed these things to the wise and to the prudent. But you've revealed them to such as us. We thank you, O oh God, for the knowledge of the truth that makes free. We thank you for your spirit to teach us, to lead us, and to guide us into all truth. Help us, oh God, Lord, not to lean on our own understanding, but to trust emphatically and solely, comprehensively, in thy word, which is truth. Establish us all therein. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. We'll take a short break and come back for church.